tonight I'd like to talk about relationship. And I'd like to use a similar format that I did a few nights ago, where I speak for some time and then I open it up to you to share from your own wisdom and your own experience about the theme, about the topic. I do that partly because I find that what people have to say from their own meditative experiences are so helpful and certainly as helpful as anything that I may present. And I'm very interested in our collective wisdom rather than just the wisdom that's sitting here. But that each of us has this innate wisdom that we can share with each other and that serves all of us here together. So the theme of relationship. I want to talk about relationship here on the retreat not relationship outside of the retreat. Because usually when we think of relationship, we think of our usual interactions in our daily life where we're engaged in talking and uh, spending a lot of time with a particular person or maybe a special person or our children or our parents. But I think sometimes we don't think enough about the relationship that happens when we're by ourselves. Sometimes it can seem contradictory. Well, I'm either alone or I'm in relationship. But in fact, we're in relationship all the time. There is never a moment when we're not relating when we're not in relationship to something, whether it's in relationship to ourselves, and we can see that this is quite an active relationship. (laughs) There's there's even lots of conversations (laughs) that we have with ourselves. This is quite a vital relationship, or the relationship we have with the other people here on the retreat in the silence, or the relationship we have with the food when we're taking our meals, or the relationship we have with the garden, and with the sheep, and with the birds, Mm -hmm. the relationship we have with the weather, (laughs) and our relationship with the morning in the afternoon and the night. All these relationships, infinite amount of relationships. But when we're on retreat, there's the appearance as if we're alone, as if we're by ourselves, because we're not talking very often to each other. It can give the appearance as if we're separate 
and isolated. And to an outsider, it can even give the appearance like we're all quite lonely and maybe even a little weird. <laughs> you know, strange. Particularly, <laughs> particularly to the people who come in, like the, the, the milkman and the postman and, <laughs> you know, the, the occasional um, visitors. You know. What are these people doing here? <laughs> or, if, or if anybody would see you doing your walking outside, you know, walking back and forth and back and forth, or taking big steps <laughs> and putting the feet down, or walking backwards, <laughs> you know. Looks very, very weird. <laughs> Had people who've seen us on retreats in in the states, you know, think that people look like zombies, you know, zombie-like appearance, mm-hmm. or certainly like, well, certainly a little mentally imbalanced, you know. <laughs> but this is from the outside. The appearance. But if we get caught in the appearance and the form of what we see, then we get caught, we get stuck. We don't go deep enough, we don't go deep. And if we're not going deeper into the reality of what's occurring here, then we can miss the relationship and miss the connection that's happening moment to moment to moment. We're, we're not here to become more isolated individuals. We don't come to retreat so that we can cultivate loneliness <laughs> and cultivate boredom and cultivate separation. <laughs> We come to retreats in order to find out what it means to be in relationship, what it means to live with others, to live in a world where we're together, not isolated, not cut off from our world, not cut off from society. But our society teaches us this separation. Our society teaches us an individualistic way of looking at ourselves and our lives. You know, like, like, take care of yourself. Go after number one. You know, look after, look after yourself. Especially in America, there's a strong individualistic attitude. You, you, take, you go after what you want no matter who you run over, you know, no matter who is in your way. You just keep going in order to get what you want for yourself. And this is really the, the value that's put on work and goals and visions. Go for what you want at all costs. 
And it's a very isolating attitude. It's a very separatist attitude. And we learn this. We learn this very much from our culture, sometimes from our parents, from our teachers, from the messages that are put out in the media. The breakdown of the family unit is an example of this. The families have become so isolated. Mothers who have to take care of large families all by themselves. Loss of the community. Loss of the friendships with other women. Mm. Everything right now is very much on our own shoulders, is to look after ourselves. The whole sense of community is broken down. These, these important values that, that point to the lack of separation and the lack of isolation. But this is not our natural way. Feeling isolated or or cut off is not our natural way. It's something that we've lost through the messages that have been put out to us. Our natural way is knowing our interconnection, our interrelatedness. That everything coexists together. Everything coexists together. How could anything stand alone? How could anything really operate by itself? It's a, a misnomer. It's, 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 a, it's a confusion in the thinking. I mean, if we take the retreat, for example, I mean, what makes the retreat? The retreat is made up of all of you here together, the managers who are cooking the food and running the building, the milkman who brings the milk, the grocery stores that provide the food, the nature all around us. Our retreat, this retreat, is very much about the nature and the gardens, the flowers, the sheep. Mm. People tell me about these three little sheep that are <laughs> just around the corner, you know, who come and greet each of you when you walk down the road. <laughs> they're, they're more like little lambs than sheep, but they're adolescents, really. <laughs> you know? And the tadpoles. The tadpoles are very much part of our retreat. And... <laughs> And and the the even the the generations of the tadpoles, the very little tiny ones and the ones that are starting to grow longer tails, and and just that whole sense of them turning into into something more, into frogs. You know, it's it's very much part of our retreat. And the birds who sing and fly around, all the different birds. And the weather. I mean, the weather is a significant part of our retreat. 
<laughs> if it was raining every day like it was a few months ago, how that would change the conditions. It would change the whole feeling. It would change our moods. It would change our mind states. It would change our bodies. Our bodies would be different bodies if it was raining every day. The heat in the house, whether it's on or off, affects our mental state, affects our physical state. How How could anything stand alone? How could anything be separate? Everything exists together. Everything coexists together. Uh, same with our bodies. I mean, could our, our heart operate without our lungs? <laughs> could our lungs operate without our blood? <coughs> Everything operating together in perfect natural flow. By, by, by laws, by natural laws, with perfect order and harmony, everything happening together. Thich Nhat Hanh, the very popular Vietnamese Zen master, has his word for what he calls what I'm talking about, and it's called interbeing interbeing. Maybe some of you are familiar with his teachings on interbeing. I'd like to read one little part from his book on interbeing. (coughs) If you are a poet, you will see clearly that there is a cloud floating in this sheet of paper. Without a cloud, there will be no rain. Without rain, the trees cannot grow. And without trees, we cannot make paper. The cloud is essential for the paper to exist. If the cloud is not here, the sheet of paper cannot be here either. So we can say that the cloud and the paper inter-are. Interbeing is a word that is not in the dictionary yet. But if we combine the prefix inter with the verb to be, we have a new verb, interbe. Without a cloud, we cannot have paper. So we can say that the cloud and the sheet of paper inter-are. If we look into the sheet of paper even more deeply, we can see the sunshine in it. If the sunshine is not there, the forest cannot grow. In fact, nothing can grow. Even we cannot grow without the sunshine. And so we know that the sunshine is also in this sheet of paper. The paper and the sunshine inter-are. And if we continue to look, we can see the logger who cut the tree and brought it to the mill to be transformed into paper. And we see the wheat. We know that the logger cannot exist without his daily bread, and therefore the wheat that became his bread is also in this sheet of paper. And the logger's father, 
and mother are in it too. <laughs> when we look in this way, we see that without all of these things, this sheet of paper cannot exist. Looking even more deeply, we can see that we are in it too. This is not difficult to see, because when we look at a sheet of paper, the sheet of paper is part of our perception. Your mind is in here, and mine is also. So we can say that everything is in here with this sheet of paper. You cannot point out one thing that is not here. Time, space, the earth, the rain, the minerals, the sunshine, the cloud, the river, the heat. Everything coexists with this sheet of paper. That is why I think the word interbe should be in the dictionary. To be is to interbe. You can't just be by yourself alone. <laughs> you have to interbe with every other thing. This sheet of paper is because everything else is. As thin as this paper is, it contains everything in the universe in it. By seeing in this way, perhaps we can find our place. Because everything has its place. There's nothing that exists without having its place. We're all supported by everything else. And so this sense that we're alone, or that we're separate, or that we're isolated, is just a wrong view. The mind isn't seeing clearly. It's misperceiving. It's a misperception. And the mind gets fixed on its own ideas. It gets fixated on what it thinks is true. And then it becomes a filter on perception. And perception then sees things as separate things as isolated, things as disconnected. But it's only a shift of perception, a shift of understanding, a shift of seeing correctly that nothing exists by itself. You take one thing away and everything changes. If one of you left, the whole feeling of the retreat would change. That each one of you are vital in this energy dynamic. If you leave, it changes, it shifts. So we come to the retreat to relearn to relearn about 
what the truth is. To break down the walls of separation. To break down the barriers to connection. And it's not to learn how to connect, but more to see that we're already connected. In the same way that nothing has to change, (laughs) it's just to see the truth, just to see things as they are, to simply see things as they are. Everything is already in order. (laughs) Everything is already in place. But just a simple shift of perception. So the forms can appear to contradict this. The forms can give a sense that we are alone or that we are engaged in something for ourselves you know a a selfish endeavor how often too that people have said well what you're doing on retreat is just selfish you're you're cutting off from the world you know you're escaping from the world you're self-indulgent you know, you don't, you don't want to be with, with other people. And it, it's just, it's a, again, a misunderstanding. People who see that way are getting stuck in appearances, stuck in forms, not going deep enough, not going deep to see what's really going on here. We don't come here to be more separate to be more isolated. But we create the conditions for understanding. We create the conditions for wisdom to arise. We create the conditions for love. Because love is impossible without understanding. When we go deep into our own experience and learn to understand ourselves, we're really learning to understand each other. When we look into our own minds and we look into our own bodies, what we discover is really the same thing that everybody else is going through. (laughs) At that level, we're not different. You know, the evidence is there again and again and again of of our... similarity. I teach all over the world. I teach in, in India and in New Zealand and in America, in England and Europe. And what makes my teaching so easy is that all the minds are the same. <laughs> Wherever I go, <laughs> no matter what nationality or what culture what people are dealing with is exactly the same the same mind the same issues the same body problems (laughs) wanting to understand how not to feel 
cut off, not to feel separate, but to feel connected and whole, both with themselves and with others. It's the same. (laughs) We're not different. In one of the Buddha's sutras on the four foundations of mindfulness, the very basic sutra on mindfulness, the Buddha says to contemplate four foundations, to contemplate the body, to contemplate mental formation, the mind, to contemplate feelings, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, to contemplate the Dharma. This reveals everything. Just in these four foundations of mindfulness, we go deeply, we go deeply into the mind, to the body, to feeling, to the Dharma. The whole universe is revealed. And we're all the same, each of us, when we go deep into the mind, into the body, into the feelings, into the Dharma. And we see that we're all exactly, fundamentally the same. And when we understand our true relationship, our true place in things, that we're not separate, from anything, then we actually can celebrate our differences. There's no more fear of those differences. There's no more resistance to those qualities which are unique and diverse. But we can celebrate this diversity, celebrate these differences, because It's what makes this beautiful play. It's what makes this beautiful manifestation of our world. And there's no longer any resistance, any holding, any fear of it. But everything has its place. And we know our place. There's a beautiful poem from Mary Oliver that maybe some of you have heard. It's called Wild Geese. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I'll tell you mine. Meanwhile, the earth goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscape over the prairies, the mountains, and the tall trees. Meanwhile, The wild geese, high in the clear blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, 
The earth calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, inviting you to take your place in the family of things. Everything has its place. Each of us have our place. We belong here. (laughs) We're here, so we belong here. That's enough evidence. We don't need any more evidence. (laughs) So I'd like to propose a few questions. And just see what arises for you, what comes for you. If everything coexists together, this interbeing, how have you felt supported here? How have you felt supported? Do you have a sense of your place here, your place among things? What is revealed to you in this interbeing? What does this reveal here on the retreat? And if connecting with ourselves is learning to understand others, What ways has that been highlighted for you here? What ways have you maybe understood what somebody else was going through? What ways have you been touched by what somebody else is going through? What is revealed in the silence about the true meaning of communication? Is communication really only through speech? (laughs) Or what else has been revealed to you about ways we communicate to each other when we're not talking to each other? And what have been your moments of connection? Where have you felt, when have you felt deeply connected in the silence when there hasn't been that sense of separation but that sense of being in relationship being connected has been really vital for you thank you for listening To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.